Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. Another episode. Been having fun with these investment fallacies uh, episodes and uh, actually got really excellent feedback on the counterexample episode that was with, uh, with uh, Jimmy Fisher. And so I'm going to do a different version of a counterexample uh, today, and it's uh, kind of an affirmation of something that came out uh, a little while ago after I'd done a few of these. I I listen to all the other podcasts that are in the industry. I mean, I love the hobby. I love I love the industry. I love cards. And there's an excellent podcast out there by Jeff Wilson, Sports Card Investors. Uh, he's strictly dealing with investing and investors, and uh, I think that's terrific. I am going to deal with that on some level, but not not uh, exclusively. In fact, in the uh, in the good old days with uh, Beckett Publications, I really uh, avoided uh, giving any kind of investment advice. After all, we we're doing price guides and uh, any advice could be uh, considered either self-serving or or uh, prophetic, uh, not in a good way. So, uh, hats off to Jeff Wilson. Uh, excellent podcast. I highly recommend it. And he actually has the uh, transcript of these 20 things that new sports card investors must know in order to negotiate this complicated hobby. I thought they were they were uh, uh, well written. And I want to I want to comment on some of those. Uh, I encourage you to go to his. Um, he's he's got them listed on his website, the, the article, and he lists them in, in uh, reverse order. But first, thanks to the sponsors, Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication, ComC.com, Burbank Sports Cards, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Heritage Auctions, Huggins & Scott Auctions, Tops, Panini, and Upper Deck. So the 20 things Jeff Wilson had that I'm, I'm largely affirming, and I want to point out those, some potential fallacies or potential opportunities in the investment thing. I think, as he said, it's complicated. Uh, his first one, number 20, flipping uh, flipping cards is harder than you think. And I that is true. I have a lot of expertise. It's, uh, it's, it's not a no-brainer. There are occasional no-brainers that you'll see, wow, I know I can buy that and I can sell it for a lot more. Uh, but that, that doesn't always happen. But uh, pounce on those when it does. And that, that means you've got the knowledge of knowing what a good deal is when you see it. Uh, 19 was uh, don't forget the fees. Again, that's the, the change this year is internet. Uh, there's going to be a lot more charging of taxes, and that is going to be, if not a game changer, it's going to uh, require some, well, I think some people would be wise to consider some tactical changes in the way they, uh, in the way they, they uh, buy and sell over the internet. Uh, shipping, other fees, they, they can really add up. I'm going to do an episode just on looking at true costs and true fees and true profit uh, in the in the uh, episodes to come, eighteen was pay attention to shipping costs and beware. Um, my strategy on that over many decades is to price the shipping. I mean, I haven't done this always, but I, I never got in trouble when I priced shipping uh, less than what it costs to make it a little bit of a loss leader. Then it's pretty hard for somebody to complain that you charged them four dollars for shipping if it if it if they look it up and they see that it costs five dollars. If it's Five dollars, and you only you charged them five, and it only costs four. They think, well, that's that's they they get upset sometimes. So don't let shipping come between you and a, and a sale. Uh, number seventeen was uh, always look up the price history of a card before making a purchase. Obviously, in the old days, they'd whip out their trusty copy of one of the Beckett uh, Price Guide magazines or one of the books. Nowadays, you don't necessarily carry those around. You could have the OPG or other other um, uh, lookups, as as he pointed out. But my point is, you, you just can't, it's impractical to look up every card. I mean, if it's an expensive card, certainly I would uh, I would encourage you to have uh, due diligence and make sure you're, you're getting a good deal. 
Uh, number 16, negotiate, negotiate, negotiate. I would only say negotiate once. <laughs> I think the problem with negotiation sometimes is that when it seems like when the other person has a card that is way overpriced, you sometimes think they're a jerk. <laughs> Don't be a jerk uh, just because you think they're a jerk. They, they may not know. They may be uh, pricing something uh, based on erroneous information. And so, again, I would just say gently negotiate. Just say, would you be willing to take less? Or, but if, he, if, if, a, uh, if a person has an outrageous price on a card, don't, don't uh, counter with an outrageously low offer. Uh, make a fair offer or just see if even that person's receptive to that. After all, repeat business is, is really wonderful in this industry. Number 15 was uh, when buying on eBay, always read the full eBay description, examine the photo. That goes for non-eBay purchases as well. Uh, even when you look at a scan, you really need to, the, the emphasis there would be on on uh, on carefully examining. And again, that carefulness uh, needs to be proportional to how expensive the the, the card is. But I've I've made mistakes, and uh, perhaps perhaps everybody has. Uh, the 14 build a positive eBay reputation as soon as you can, especially before you try to sell. Certainly, uh, I mean, you need a positive reputation everywhere. Bad news travels uh, pretty fast and pretty far in in this industry. And so uh, whether you're artificially trying to build up your reputation on eBay or uh, that's, uh, again, just do, do, do good things. Don't do bad things in your, your reputation. And there's also consigners out there that'll, that have uh, huge uh, positive feedback that will uh, consign your cards and sell them. Uh, 13 was consider how much risk you're willing to take. Invest in the right category of cards for you. Um, you just need to realize you could you you could lose in certain categories you could make a lot but you could lose a lot. In fact, in every category you could make a lot or lose a lot. No one has a crystal ball for the future. Uh, there there could be other kinds of macro conditions that would affect uh, this hobby that we love. I don't want to give any any doomsday scenarios, but uh, again, in a in a crisis, uh, cards are just cards. Number twelve, invest in what you know. I wholeheartedly agree with that. Uh, again, in that what you know. I would encourage you to, to uh, pick a niche, and then if that niche uh, gradually expands, uh, that's fine. But uh, I think just say, I, I, what do I know? I know baseball. Well, you probably know either the older baseball or the newer baseball better. And uh, the closer you are to things that you really know and understand, uh, the better you're going to do. That's very true. I mean, Jeff Wilson talks about being a, uh, his day job, he's uh, investing and in, in doing, uh, I guess, private equity kinds of things. and entrepreneurial kinds of things. Well, that, it's true of, of, uh, of my personal investments as well. I've, I've done well when I understood. I've, I've not done so well when I didn't know what I was investing in. Somebody told me it was a good deal and I wasn't able to really fully evaluate on my own and having that knowledge is, knowledge is power. Uh, 11 was uh, just take the glamour positions, quarterback, uh, home run hitters, uh, uh, basketball players that score a lot of points. Uh, I'm not quibbling with that other than when everybody's going after the very top guys in the best position, there's, there's, there can be some real opportunities with uh, the, the second tier of players, um, you know, the defensive side of the ball. At some point, they are attractive investments, and as well as uh, more uh, locally popular uh, players in those same sports who, who may not uh, be uh, all-stars but are very well-loved and, and have a following. Uh, number 10, buy graded cards whenever possible. He left out BGS on that. <laughs> uh, I'm just joking. Uh, they're, they're certainly uh, PSA and SGC are excellent, uh, and, and, and I suppose there are others too, but th those are the three main uh, grading companies. But BGS is uh, an, an excellent choice, and as he points that out, if something is not graded, I am aware that there's some amazing, again, 99 out of 100 people in this industry are honest, but that 100th person, if you ask them, hey, this is a great card, how come it's not graded? 
you'd be amazed that 100th person can come up with a great, you know, I, I just, it, I haven't had time to get it graded. I just, I just got it from this uh, estate sale or this, uh, this person, uh, you know, they didn't have a chance to get it graded yet. And then you, uh, again, that, that one out of 100 chance that, uh, uh, that actually, uh, you know, again, if it's not graded, beware and uh, know, know who you're buying from and know their trustworthiness. Uh, scarcity being relative and investing in scarcity number nine. I don't, again, scarcity is, is a, is a, is a uh, quantitative, qualitative word. It's, it's the demand has to be greater than the supply, but it's the demand at that price has to be greater than the supply. So if the price is too high, uh, even if something is scarce, there, you're not going to find buyers if the, uh, if the price is too high. Number eight, know exactly what card and variation you're buying and understand the checklist. Again, a good price guide. Uh, you know, we, again, half of what uh, Beckett Publications did was not just the price guides, but the cataloging and uh, detailing uh, what, what was out there. So there were several versions, especially these subtle different colors. Uh, we, we, we did uh, an episode about card design preferences, about some of the, the difficulties of when the card companies are designing these products. It, it can become very difficult to see that one card is so subtly different, but but uh, a great deal of uh, difference in the value. Number seven, invest only in cards from licensed products and sought after sets. I generally agree, but uh, certainly Panini has some interesting baseball products, and other companies have things that are that are partially licensed. Uh, Leaf uh, seems to be doing a very nice business. Uh, Brian Gray over there, and he actually thinks it's an advantage to not be licensed. Um, Again, all things being equal, I would take the one that's fully licensed, but all things are not equal. The price may be different. The, uh, you, you just know. So, again, all things being equal, yes, get a card that's fully licensed. You'll have the player, the team logos, the, all that. But, uh, again, over the years, they've had the greater appreciation. But, again, you're not, it just depends on what you're paying, what you're, what you're getting in at. Number six, generally invest only in rookie cards and first prospect cards. I, I take issue with the only. Uh, again, there are relative bargains in the second-year cards. If you're looking at Luka Doncic, you want an autograph card. You know, it's the same autograph. If it's his rookie year, or if it's second year, there's going to be a drastic difference, and you may uh, be willing to do that. As far as the investment, again, it's it it's, depends on what you got in for. If anything gets overpriced and bid up, it's going to be rookie cards. If so, there there may be relative bargains. Number number five, don't overreact to a player's recent performance. Take advantage of the fact that most people do overreact. I think that's uh, that's true. Enough, enough said about that. Uh, I'm not that kind of a person, but uh, so many people are. There are advantages there to to uh, to uh, sell on the uh, positive information if you're if you have it. Uh, number four, don't buy a player's card the first week it hits the market. I uh, agree only in the general sense. There are huge opportunities in the first week if you have special knowledge. So don't write it off. If you're a real big fan of the sport and you know who the the uh, the young players are. There are lots of price anomalies in that first week, and most of them are things being overpriced out of caution. But if you're really sharp, you're going to see some opportunities that first week as well. Uh, number three, open for fun, not profit. Uh, the concept is that you're probably going to lose. Well, that, you know, according to that uh, theory, nobody would go to Las Vegas because most people lose, but they have a good time, and there are a number of big successes that people brag about when they come back that make it worth it. So if you go to Vegas several times, you're, you, the odds are you're going to lose, but you're going to enjoy it and you're occasionally going to win. With cards, if you're buying right, again, if you're buying a box of cards at, uh, at uh, high retail at the peak and then opening up immediately when there's lots of competition, uh, that, that may not be, that, that may be more fun than profit, but um, 
Again, people keep going to Vegas in droves and people keep opening uh, buying boxes and there are enough hits that even though you're going to lose maybe two out of three times, if your batting average is 300, but uh, maybe it's uh, more akin to slugging percentage because, you know, if you hit a home run, that's what you're going to remember, not the, not the strikeouts. Number two, uh, the right time to sell, when to sell, that's, I, I think that's, that's worth an, a whole episode. Uh, I sold when I when I needed money or I saw something I wanted more than what I had. And basically, I've also mentioned that I've had the problem that when I sold, especially in the early days, even when I was buying low and selling high, the market went so much higher. If I'd sold when I doubled my money, I would have I would have left a lot of even more money on the table. And number one, again, nothing to disagree with here. Uh, have fun, enjoy the hobby, uh, even when you're invest an investor and it feels more like an industry or a business, it's still a hobby. So. Uh, Jeff Wilson, hats off to you. Encourage uh, you listeners to uh, uh, go over to uh, his Sports Card Investors uh, podcast. It comes out, uh, I think, once or twice a week, and I'm enjoying it. Keep up the good work, Jeff. Thanks for providing something that I could comment on and, and uh, make some further suggestions for how um, collectors and investors can really enjoy this great hobby. So, again, thanks, listeners. Be back again tomorrow with another episode. The man in the house of cards.